It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, and we always have a blast Talking about all the latest moves and how they relate to fantasy players all over the fantasy galaxy. We are presented by BetOnline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for the Fantasy Feast podcast with the best odds and fastest payouts. Just use the code BIGFEAST to get your free bets over at BetOnline.ag. When I say we... I mean, both of us, Evan Silva, the maestro of rotoworld.com. Check him out on Twitter, at Evan Silva. I'm a former NFL offensive lineman at Ross Tucker NFL that loves the fantasy game, loves best ball, loves chatting about this stuff with you guys. It's awesome and loves just hearing Evan Silva absolutely drop knowledge. You can check me out on Twitter and Instagram, at Ross Tucker NFL. Or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. All right, Evan. So we were texting back and forth about the show this week. And you said, you know what? I kind of want to do an update on some guys that I think there's been a decent amount of movement in their fantasy status, you know, in the offseason so far. I, I wanted you, though, to explain a little bit more exactly what today's show is all about in your mind. Yeah, we definitely talked about, you know, individual free agency moves. And um, I want to go back through those because we have more information now. There have been more moves since uh, the the free agent, the, the heart of free agency really took place. And there have also been a lot of players that weren't necessarily involved directly in the free agency moves or trades that got impacted by the moves or trades. And we did uh, mention those guys a little bit on the free agency podcast, but I wanted to do a full rundown of the significant risers and fallers. Talk a little bit about early ADP. I've done a bunch of drafts so far on play draft on, on draft.com. And uh, you know, so I can, I'm equipped to talk about not only, you know, whether guys are moving up or down in my rankings, but also where are they landing in drafts currently? Love it. All right, cool. So we'll go over some guys that you have on your risers and fallers list and get a breakdown. And by the way, as I ask you these guys, we're, you know, I don't even know for some of them whether they're on your riser or faller list. Let's start with uh, Jarek McKinnon. I got to think he's on your riser list, list considering where he was in Minnesota and where he is now in San Francisco. Absolutely. Hooking up with Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G. I mean, this offense is on the rise you know we saw it for the final what five or six games of last season the 49ers were very aggressive about going and getting Jarek McKinnon made him the highest running back in free agency their uh, top beat writer Matt Mayako of uh, CSN Bay Area said the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan expect Jarek McKinnon to play the Devonta Freeman role which is the primary fantasy point scoring role in that offense gets the vast majority of the goal line carries was involved very much so in the passing game the role that you want to kind of avoid is the Tevin Coleman role now that 
that role is going to have um, it's going to have value. And we're going to try to determine who is going to win that role. It could be Matt Breida. It could be the fourth round pick last year, Joe Williams. It could be another guy that they find in the draft. But this is the more valuable role, the Devontae Freeman role. Jarek McKinnon currently going in the third and fourth round of, of drafts. And I think that it is deserved. Derrick Henry's got to be a, a riser as well with them moving on from DeMarco Murray. Well, but they signed Deion Lewis, Ross. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about yeah. that for a second. You're so right, you're he right, you're was, right. He is, I mean, he's a guy that has gone through like an up and a down throughout the course of the free of free agency. Um, so they, you know, they released DeMarco Murray and his – ADP went into like the the third round or even the second round in some drafts and then they signed Deion Lewis and we are not going to get Derrick Henry the pass catcher I mean it's clear like multiple coaching staffs at this point even going back to Alabama with Nick Saban have told us that they do not see Derrick Henry as an asset in the passing game and although I never thought he really had a problem catching the ball um, and I thought that he was good in pass protection when he applied himself I mean we now you know we we can't I think it's time to stop hoping that he's going to become an asset in the passing game I think the coaching staff just see him as too big not nimble enough in a short area to to maximize uh you know they and and he hasn't gotten better as a pass blocker I think in the pros so we remove the pass catching potential he's going to be a touchdown dependent fantasy asset and he could get straight up out snapped by Deion Lewis. I think that Deion Lewis is just a better all-around football player than Derrick Henry. How about Tyreek Hill in Kansas City? Um, so Tyreek Hill, it, they, they kind of had it made last year, Tyreek Hill and, and, and Travis Kelsey. Um, there just was not a lot of competition for targets at on other areas of the roster. You know, Chris Conley, Torres Achilles, Demarcus Robinson got in there, got some experience, but certainly wasn't pulling targets away from anyone. They pulled Kareem Hunt in a lot of obvious uh, passing game running back scenarios, like uh, in the two-minute drill uh, and on third downs in favor of Sharkandrick West, and they didn't go out of their way to target Sharkandrick West. So now we have Andy Reid telling us that Kareem Hunt is going to be more involved in the passing game this year. That is going to pull away some targets, and you add in – the, the highest paid wide receiver in free agency, Sammy Watkins, to this offense. I mean, I think it's fair to wonder, can Sammy Watkins command as many targets in 2018 as Tyreek Hill does? And so I think that Tyreek Hill has actually been a faller during free agency. Now, I love his theoretical fit, his stylistic fit with Patrick Mahomes, and no question he's going to make big plays and he's going to have spiked weeks. Um, and I, he's certainly not someone that I'm, uh, you know, afraid to draft in uh, fantasy this year. But I think that there are some reasons for concern, and he's going to drop a couple of spots in my rankings. What about Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago? They've obviously loaded up on a lot of weapons for the young guy. Yeah, he's a, a riser. I mean, these these teams are going really all in on these young quarterbacks in their rookie contract windows. We've seen it with Patrick Mahomes and Sammy Watkins. We've seen it with uh, Jared Goff, the Rams going all in to go get uh, Brandon Cooks, make sure that they don't lose that element from their offense after they lost Sammy Watkins. I think that they just 
didn't think that Sammy Watkins was going to get as much money as he did in free agency. Anyways, Mitchell Trubisky is another player that the team that drafted him is going all in during his rookie contract window and trying to support him and, you know, help him take that next step. They added Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, and Cameron Meredith is back. I mean, that's your top four pass catchers, theoretically, uh, with Tarek Cohen certainly mixed in there. So there's an ex- a lot of explosive talent around Mitchell Trubisky right now in Chicago, and I love taking him like in the 20s uh, among quarterbacks in terms of ADP uh, because I think that he's got a pretty safe floor, and with all these new weapons around him under a coaching staff that I, I – I believe in. I think that Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich, I think they're going to do a good job. I think that they are a forward thinking uh, sort of coaching style. Uh, and those, you know, these, uh, these, uh, the disciples of Andy Reid have had so much success. I mean, much more success than the Bill Belichick uh, disciples. So I like that in favor of Matt Nagy. Uh, just a lot of things to like about Mitchell Trubisky, and he's definitely been one of my, my biggest risers. How about another young quarterback, and that is Pat Mahomes. You were talking about him as it related to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he, of course he got the starting job, so he was a huge riser just in and of that. Uh, added Sammy Watkins. I think you look at the construct of the Chiefs' defense right now, and I think that they could be you know, involved in a lot of high-scoring games. Uh, they don't have a lot of good players left on defense. Their best players that they have come back, Justin Houston, uh, he's you know starting to get a little older. He's battled knee injuries. He's still a really good player, um, but I, he's I think he's m- more toward the downside of his career than the upswing. And Eric Berry coming off uh, the torn Achilles tendon. Uh, I was listening to a podcast recently with Andy Reid, and he told a story about how leading up to that Week 17 game against the Broncos, uh, Andy Reid and Mike Kafka. Uh, who, you know, he, he bounced around the NFL for a little bit, played ball at Northwestern. Uh, he's now in that Andy Reid coaching tree. Andy Reid and Mike Kafka, hands-on, uh, got Patrick Mahomes ready for that Week 17 game while Brad Childress and Matt Nagy uh, handled getting the team ready for the playoffs. Um, so I thought that that was cool that Andy Reid worked hands-on, and, and this uh, potentially a rising star in Mike Kafka, uh, got to work hands-on preparing Patrick Mahomes to play with, you know, the second teamer. I mean, I mean the, in that game, the Broncos played their starting defense. The Chiefs did not play their starting offense, and we still saw some uh, so, some really exciting plays from Patrick Mahomes in that game. And Andy Reid, the way he was talking about Patrick Mahomes' skill set, he was like, you know, he he has this ability to make these no-handed passes, and you see or no. Um, like where he's, not, you know, where he's not looking at the guy. Uh, these no-look passes in the game, he's like, you see that on the practice field, and then you see it in the game, and it's like, wow. Uh, so I think that he's a massive, massive upside uh, prospect in terms of fantasy. Um, and I think that you know he's, he's also got rushing ability, ran for a lot of touchdowns at Texas Tech. Just really exciting offense the Chiefs have put together. What about sort of the biggest news of the day or the biggest news of the week so far? And it's the trade last night of Brandon Cooks from the Patriots to the Rams. Why don't we start with Brandon Cooks himself and what it does for him? Yeah, I think that he loses value in this deal. Of course, he loses Tom Brady. And I know that Jared Goff, the arrow, certainly appears to be pointing up for him. Uh, But he's going to have to learn a new offense. 
He's going to play the Sammy Watkins role, which was a low-volume role last year. Sammy Watkins did score eight touchdowns, but in terms of usage, that was the least usage that he has seen um, you know, in, in his career. Now, Brandon Cooks will have a lot more time to learn the offense and get up to speed than Sammy Watkins did. Sammy Watkins was acquired last August 11th, had you know, exactly one month to get ready. Brandon Cooks is going to go to all the OTAs and all the mini camps, and he's going to be there for the full training camp. So I don't think he's going to be as like as much of a forgotten man as Sammy Watkins is. But I think that he's going to end up doing a lot of clearing out. And, uh, you know, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley, those are the guys that are more the first and second reads. Brandon Cooks will be a little bit down down the list. So I don't think that I think that his outlook would have been stronger in New England than it will be in Los Angeles. I think he loses a couple of rounds. I think before he was a, a fourth round pick in uh, in like a 10 or 12 team draft. And now I think that he is a sixth or seventh round pick. And I think you could even maybe ar- argue that he should be lower. I mean, Todd Gurley is going to dominate targets. Cooper Cup is entering his second year. Uh, and he showed a lot, especially in the red zone as a rookie. And Robert Woods, we saw what last year from him, uh, what we saw from him at USC, uh, and he can be a high volume, you know, uh, a guy that you know not only moves, he's just a, kind of a complete receiver, uh, and he's I think better than a lot of people gave him credit for in Buffalo. Uh, so just a, a lot of different targets there, and we and we also have the young tight ends, Tyler Higby and Ger- Gerald Everett could take a second year step forward. How about, um, well, we mentioned the Rams part of it. We'll get to the Patriots mm-hmm. stuff a little bit later. What about Doug Baldwin? Yeah. So the Seahawks, so John Daigle, uh, he is writing for Roto world. Now, uh, he noted that, uh, or he, he's doing, he's keeping track of this chart just to chart how much opportunity has been lost, uh, from last year's roster. And on his chart, he noted that, uh, the Seahawks are missing the fourth most total air yards and the fifth most passing game targets from their 2017 roster in the NFL. They lost Jimmy Graham, who led the NFL in red zone targets, targets inside the 10 and red zone touchdowns last year. And they lost Paul Richardson and they haven't done much to replace these guys. I mean, their, their big additions have been Ed Dixon, uh, career backup tight end. And, um, uh, they added another receiver. I can't. Uh, Amara Darbo, of course, uh, returns as a third-round pick. They went after Terrell Pryor, did not get him, uh, and then uh, Tyler Lockett comes back. And Tyler Lockett showed diminished speed uh, and, and playmaking ability last year. I think he'll be better this year. And I, again, he's one of my favorite values in early drafts. But Doug Baldwin is just locked into this number one receiver role. And then you look at. Uh, oh, you can go back and look at when Jimmy Graham ruptured his patellar tendon down the stretch of that 2015 season. I mean, Doug Baldwin went nuclear. Uh, and if you weren't, I remember that because if you weren't playing him in daily fantasy down the stretch that year, you were donating money every single week. Um, and now he's back in that position. No Jimmy Graham. Uh, and he and he can be a, a, a big-time touchdown scorer. And I think he can set another career high for targets. Then you look at the defense, the Seahawks defense is really starting to fall apart. Uh, so they may be in more higher scoring games, especially in a division where it looks like there are going to be a lot of high scoring teams. 
the 49ers, the Rams, of course. And I think the Cardinals might be a little bit better on offense than uh, they're widely given credit for at entering the season. That, of course, will come down to Sam Bradford's knees. But either way, Doug Baldwin has become one of my favorite fantasy picks. Love taking him anywhere from the middle third to the middle fourth round. What about Bilal Powell? Bilal Powell was a guy that in early, really early drafts I was taking just because I think he's a good player. You could get him real late. I like him as like a fifth running back on my team. But the, the offseason has not worked on well for Bilal Powell. Uh, the Jets have signed Isaiah Crowell and Thomas Rawls. They bring back Elijah McGuire. So it's like a four-man deal right now. Bilal Powell, Isaiah Crowell, Thomas Rawls, Elijah McGuire. They've even got Jeremy Langford there, uh, the old Bears starter. So you wonder what's going to happen with Bilal Powell. Is he going to be on another team? Is he going to get buried? You know, so I, it's just not a lot of clarity right now with Bilal Powell's role. Amari Cooper, the subject of – I mean, I feel like Amari Cooper might be like a top two or three guys in terms of conversation last year and so far this offseason. It's unbelievable. I know. Um, well, I like to hear that John Gruden, his praise of Amari Cooper and, you know, the, the, the sights that he's has set for Amari Cooper are very high. Um, and he's been overflowing with praise about Amari Cooper, and it really sounds like they want Amari Cooper to be the focal point of their offense. They cut Michael Crabtree, who has dominated red zone work uh, in Oakland for the last three seasons, ever since Amari Cooper entered the league. Now, they did add Jordy Nelson, but I think he's a downgrade from Michael Crabtree. Uh, And Amari Cooper's ADP is still very reasonable, fourth to fifth round typically. Uh, I think that, and then we, we've discussed before, we discussed on the quarterback's ranking show how uh, David Carr is primed for some positive touchdown regression. He um, has been you know, a pretty, pretty high percentage uh, touchdown thrower in his career. Last year he was not, and he's going to be healthier. So I think that we see Amari Cooper set a career high in targets, and we get him at a cheaper cost this year then we've got him the last two years, and I like that combination. Kenyon Drake, the running back? Only running back that the Dolphins have signed is Frank Gore, who, of course, is getting up there in years, pretty much told the Dolphins, hey, I want to play here, and you know, I'll pretty much do it for whatever you'll give me. They gave him like $1 bucks for a year. Uh, Kenyon Drake, over the last uh, final five weeks of last season, averaged 119 yards from scrimmage per game. Uh, And the Dolphins have a lot of needs entering the draft. I think that they do seem like one of the likelier teams to draft a running back, but it's also possible that they don't because they can afford to draft almost any position on their roster. They have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. uh, And Kenyon Drake showed what he could do with big-time opportunity, uh, and I think that his arrow is pointing up. You referenced it earlier, so I – I guess I kind of know where you're going with this, but Jordy Nelson? Yeah, I mean, he downgrades from Aaron Rodgers to, to Derek Carr, um, and it sounds like John Gruden wants to feature Amari Cooper. Just the fact that the Packers cut him, you know, they kept Randall Cobb over him, uh, and Jordy has played, he's been more productive lately than Randall Cobb has been. That's not a good sign. Uh, he's 33 now, or he turns 33 in May. Uh, so I think that he's going to be a lower volume guy. I think that he still has a chance to score 
six, seven, eight touchdowns in Oakland, but you really wanted him to stay with Aaron Rodgers because we know how important that chemistry has been for those two guys. What about Rex Burkhead in New England? Riser. I mean, the Patriots got rid of Deion Lewis. Right now it's just Rex Burkhead and James White atop the depth chart, and then it's Mike Gillisley versus Jeremy Hill. I think those guys will end up competing for one roster spot, and neither of those guys is even a lot to be active on game day. They're going to have Rex Burkhead active on game days. They're going to have James White active on game days, and they're going to have Brandon Bolden active on game days because he's a good special teamer. So, you know, that Mike Gillsley versus Jeremy Hill uh, camp battle could become irrelevant. Rex Burkhead right now is the Patriots' primary running back. Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland? The best that we've ever seen Tyrod Taylor play was in 2015. And that was when he had downfield targets that largely stayed healthy. Sammy Watkins stayed healthy. That was the best season of Sammy Watkins career. Marquise Goodwin was out there for him. Robert Woods was out there for them. And now Tyrod, and we saw them, he, he was stripped of, of all those, all those big time receivers over the, over the past two seasons. Now he has downfield weapons again, Josh Gordon, David Njoku is going to be a field-stretching tight end. Corey Coleman theoretically can do it. Uh, he needs to get better lucky. He has to stop breaking his hand and you know be able to find a groove out there and stay healthy and sustain health for a, a period of time. Duke Johnson is an excellent receiving back. Uh, and the Browns paid up for Tyrod Taylor. I think that entering the offseason, if you would have told uh, you know a, a very intense football observer that the bills were going to get the 65th pick in the draft for Tyrod Taylor, that person would probably reply, wow, I don't really believe that, but that would be very good for the bills if they got that. And that's what the bills got. And that's what the Browns gave up. So I think that in large part, unless he really, really struggles. And I mean, look, Tyrod Taylor can at times can be too safe. Won't pull the trigger on throws. Sometimes he's kind of, he's kind of like how, how Alex Smith, was for the first 10 or 11 years of his career. Um, but we've never seen him really be so bad that he deserved to be benched. Obviously, he got benched last year for one game for Nathan Peterman. But we've never seen him really play like a, a guy that they just obviously needed to get out of there. So I think that the, the Browns are going to be committed to him for most of this season, and he's got weapons around him now that suit his skill set during that 2015 season when he had Sammy Watkins and Marquise Goodwin and Robert Woods and Charles Clay, he was number two in the NFL in deep ball passer rating. Uh, uh, and when I, when I say deep ball passer rating, I mean his passer rating on throws of 20-plus yards. That's his game, and now he has a supporting cast uh, to support that aspect of his game. He did not have that last year in Buffalo. How about uh, Pierre Garçon in San Francisco? Yeah, I could lump in Pierre Garçon with pretty much all of the uh, receivers that are there, all the pass catchers that, that are there in San Francisco, because I think that you know it seemed like the, the 49ers were a candidate to go after someone like Allen Robinson, and they did not. Okay, so they're bringing back Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin. They uh, gave Goodwin an, an extension. Uh, Trent Taylor, the slot receiver who showed well as a rookie, 
And then George Kittle, uh, the, rook, the, the tight end who showed well as a rookie. Those guys appear to be pretty locked in right now. We know that the wide receiver class is not very good. Uh, and I think that those guys, I mean, those guys all have value at different areas of the draft. Pierre Garcon is a great middle-round pick right now. Same with Marquise Goodwin. Trent Taylor, you can get super, super late. He can be a high-volume slot receiver in that, you know, that Wes Welker mold. And then George Kittle, a freak athlete uh, out of Iowa, he kind of kind of wore down uh, as, as his rookie season progressed, but then he picked it up again late. I think that we're going to see him in more of a featured role, and th- these guys will have a full offseason with Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's get to Marlon Mack. You just look at the Colts running back depth chart right now. It's Marlon Mack, then Robert Turbin, then Christine Michael, Josh Ferguson, Matt Jones. So I think that, look, this could change very quickly if the Colts say grab Saquon Barkley at number six. But right now, and I do think that they are going to draft a running back, but right now Marlon Mack is clearly atop the Colts depth chart with just a journeyman in Robert Turbin directly behind him. While we're on the subject of the Colts, why don't we get the right to Jack Doyle? Yeah, the Colts added Eric Ebron, and there is continued uncertainty with Andrew Luck's shoulder. Uh, so Jack Doyle, man, I before that Eric Ebron signing, I thought he was going to be one of the better values at the tight end position this year, uh, and I have not adjusted my rankings yet. Uh, and I'm not, but but I, I would say that he, you know, his value just becomes a little bit more murky at first glance, uh, and. You know, the, the continued uncertainty with Andrew Luck's health is is just as big of a concern as losing 10 or 15 targets to Eric Ebron. Rashard Matthews? Eric Decker is gone. Uh, I think that Rashard Matthews is going to be solidified into that Robert Woods role under the, uh, the ex-Rams OC Matt LaFleur, who is now the Titans OC, uh, and then Taewon Taylor, I think, also is a, a sneakier riser, maybe in the Cooper Cup role. Uh, but I think that Rashard Matthews, after the Titans, really didn't go after anyone uh, at, at the wide receiver position in free agency. Rashard Matthews becomes solidified, and he's a guy that, I mean, shoot, he goes 12th to 15th round in every single draft, and he's a player that has shown before that he can put 65 to 75, 800 to 1,000 yards and six to eight touchdowns on the board, no problem. And I think that um, I think that the right the right way to approach this Titans offense is to buy, beginning with Marcus Mariota and extending down to the cheap, uh, like locked in, solidified uh, portions of the offense. And I think Rashard Matthews is a great example of that. So I've been waiting for this one, and that is the wide receiver situation in New England now that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Cooks has been traded, including guys like Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman, maybe even guys like Philip Dorsett, Malcolm Mitchell, Kenny yep. Britt. Yep, agreed, agreed. And I think that 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 third receiver position that you kind of uh, touched on, Malcolm Mitchell, Philip Dorsett, uh, Kenny Britt, uh, I think that that will be a camp battle. Uh, and they may add a rookie to that. Um I don't think that they're going to go after Odell Beckham. You know, their most plugged-in beat reporters do not expect that that to happen. Um, but, you know, now with Brandon Cooks gone, that locks in Chris Hogan. 
as a, a full-time player and moves him up that target totem pole. When he was healthy last year, he was a touchdown scorer. He was one of Tom Brady's favorite red zone targets. And I think that the trade of Brandon Cooks also should give us some um, some added confidence in the recovery of Julian Edelman from a torn ACL. He tore that ACL very early on uh, last season. And uh, he's a little older, so you worry about his recovery from that standpoint. But I think that this speaks to the fact that they do have a high level of confidence in his recovery. And he's another guy who has been super, super cheap in drafts and deserves to be bumped significantly up rankings. Uh, but Chris Hogan, I think, gets the biggest bump initially. So uh, I can rarely, rarely say this on any podcast, including the Fantasy Feast, but what about my former teammate, Ben Watson, back in New Orleans? Yeah, you, you tell the story about how he chased down Champ Bailey from behind, right? Yeah, you know what's funny about that, by the way, is that he, um, you know, when he was in New England, if you go back and look, he, he never really flourished there. He was always kind of in the doghouse a little bit. You know, he was really late to report because the Patriots, even though he was like the number 32 pick, they wanted him to sign a six-year deal, which is insane. And Tom Condon was like, no, nope, I'm not doing that. And it just seemed like he never really, he never really flourished there in New England. And now here he is, you know, 15 years later or whatever it is, still playing in the NFL. It's just a really interesting because they're all kinds of like, ah, oh, he's not – He's not a professional. He doesn't really know what's going on. And now he's still playing and still there are still teams that want him. Yeah, he's, he's definitely an interesting story. Um, I mean, I remember when he entered the league, he, he was a freak athlete. He was like Vernon Davis before Vernon Davis. And maybe just over the course of the time, he learned what it took to be a professional. And, I mean, he's had some of his best seasons, statistically at least, late in his career. For the 2015 Saints, he caught 74 balls. Um, and right now he's on track to be the Saints' top pass-catching tight end. So, And that in and of itself gives him value. So, um, look, and, and you know, we, we, the Saints could draft a tight end, I suppose, but very often rookie tight ends don't do a whole lot. or They take a year to get uh, going. Uh, so he's been a, a late career breakout, but he's back in position to be a significant fantasy factor. He's so old. Uh, but he, I mean, he, he can still run a little bit. Uh, and I, I think he's going to play. I think they play him ahead of Kobe Fleener. I mean, I think that I'm surprised that Kobe Fleener hasn't been cut yet. Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Uh, I think that he downgrades from a coaching standpoint, you know, uh, losing, uh, go, going away, going, leaving that offense in, in Minnesota, which was so well designed by Pat Shermer and company. Losing pass catcher diversity. I mean, I think that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders still form a very capable one-two outside receiver duo. But this Broncos team has had nothing in the middle of the field for years. You know, they they haven't been able to find a slot receiver, which is where Adam Thielen did most of his damage last year with Case Keenum. They haven't had a productive tight end. Kyle Rudolph has been a touchdown scorer uh, for the Vikings. Uh, and Stefan Diggs, I think, is a little bit more explosive than Emmanuel Sanders and, and Demarius Thomas at this stage of this particular of, of their careers. 
And the Broncos haven't really had a big-time pass-catching back either. The, the Vikings had that, of course, in Dalvin Cook early in the season, and then Jarek McKinnon after Dalvin Cook went down. So I think that Case Keenum is losing a lot, and I think that there's also a possibility that the Broncos will take a quarterback at number five, and that would immediately put Case Keenum on the hot seat. Now, his contract suggests that they will have you know, some loyalty to him, but I just, I'm not sure that the Case Keenum experience, experience is going to work out that well in Denver. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the Vikings wondering aloud whether or not he was a one-year wonder in their system kind of speaks to, speaks to, you know, some concern that we should have about Case Keenum now, you know, transitioning organizations and offenses and, you know, having to, 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 to excel with inferior talent around him. Devin Funches and Greg Olson in Charlotte with the Carolina Panthers. Panthers only offseason additions have been Jarius Wright, the guy who got cut by the Vikings, and um, Torrey Smith, uh, a guy who the Eagles were going to cut until they were able to uh, get Daryl Worley, a young cornerback with starting experience, in exchange for Torrey Smith in one of the most head-scratching moves of the offseason. Um, so not a lot of threats to their you know, their, their target shares and their roles in the offense. We saw Devin Funches take a big step last season. And then when Greg Olson came back, Devin Funches was not nearly as productive. So that's something that we're going to have to work through over the course of the offseason. But right now, they are solidified as the clear number one and number two pass catchers uh, for Cam Newton. Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, the running backs in Green Bay, Evan. Packers have made no significant running back additions, and they've talked about moving Ty Montgomery back to wide receiver. One of my favorite things to do this year in the middle rounds, rounds say seven through nine in 10 and 12 team drafts, is to take both of these guys. Um, take Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. You know, we, we took a, a similar uh, approach last year with Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. Of course, it didn't work out as well with Adrian Peterson, but he could have taken that same tactic with, say, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and you would have had like two of the best values in the entire draft. Um, so I like to tie my running backs to high-scoring offenses. Um, and we saw what Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones could do last year. I think Aaron Jones is the more explosive back, but Jamal Williams sort of fits the, the workhouse workhorse role a little bit better. I have Jamal, I, and I like Aaron Jones a little bit better as a player, but I have Jamal Williams projected for a bigger workload this year, so I have him above in my rankings, but I have them right next to each other. So I'm willing to take one in the seventh round and one in the eighth round um, and have those guys be like my RB3 and RB4 or my RB4 and my RB5, and then I'm pretty much done drafting running backs after I get four or five good, good ones on my roster and um, trying to just lock down that Packers backfield. Finally, Evan, um, while, this doesn't happen often, but while we were on the podcast, there was a major signing, RG3 with the Baltimore Ravens. And no, this is not an April 4th, April Fool's, April joke. The Ravens really did sign RG3. What does that mean for he and Flacco on your risers and fallers list? <laughs> uh, not a whole lot. Um, 
I mean, I think that they're just probably taking an off-season flyer on him. They're entering today, as we record this on Wednesday morning, um, the only quarterbacks that they had on their roster were Joe Flacco and Josh Woodrum, uh, a guy who has bounced around like practice squads and off-season rosters the past couple of years. So they, they needed to put someone else on their roster. I don't think it's going to affect their off-season decision-making but, hey, I mean, if Robert Griffin III is healthy, I think that he's worth a look. This was the team that nearly signed Colin Kaepernick last offseason. The Ravens almost signed Colin Kaepernick last offseason, uh, and it didn't, you know, didn't go through for whatever reason. Uh, but they needed to take a chance uh, or you know, add, add another quarterback to their quarterback room because it was, it was barren pretty much behind Joe Flacco. Evan, that was amazing. I love it. I love knowing the risers, the fallers. I love the insight almost as much as I love ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. It's not just posting a job. You're actually having a service that has the technology to go out and find people. 80% of the employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate, quality candidate through the site in just one day. So any of you that do hiring, you might be doing hiring in the future, you know the person at your company that does the hiring, you got to get them out on ZipRecruiter. It's just, look, we're constantly as a society coming up with better ways to do things. This is a better way to do things. It's just better. I mean, the right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. You can try it for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. And you guys are the smartest fantasy football players on the planet because you listen to the Fantasy Feast podcast. ZipRecruiter.com slash feast. Uh, keep sending those emails. And I like when we get emails that we can read and respond to here on the show. Any questions you have, whether it's personal or just on the industry in general, take advantage of any of our sponsors over at RossTucker.com. Like ZipRecruiter, there's a whole sponsor page there with links and stuff that you can click on. We have the code for you there. And then, boom, you hit us back with the email, and I guarantee Evan will respond to it here on the show, which is pretty cool opportunity, if you ask me. Other than that, uh, you guys know if you're into gambling at all or you just want to learn a little bit more about the odds, Even Money Podcast just posted. That thing's awesome. I'll keep you up to date on sort of the player's perspective on everything going on in the NFL with the Ross Tucker football podcast. If you like the draft, Fran Duffy from the Eagles is all over the college draft podcast. And if you like the business side of things, check out Andrew Brandt on the business of sports. All of those are available over at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found, like however you're listening to this one right now. Other than that, I'm totally stuffed and full from Evan's knowledge bomb, knowledge meal. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.